Hola, hola, mi gente. I'm Jessica Yanez, and this is the Wine and Chisme podcast. A podcast created to amplify voices and share the stories of people from BIPOC communities doing remarkable things. All while sipping on a glass of wine. So welcome to your new Wednesday. The Wine and Chisme Wednesday. Hola, hola, mi gente. Welcome to another episode of the Wine and Chisme podcast. I love talking to moms because I'm not a mom, right? But I'm a tia, and I think there's so much wealth in talking about because there's not just being a mom, right? There's so much that can be applied to life in general. So today I have Mari Tere. Yes, how are you, Mari? I'm great. How are you? Thank you for inviting me here. I'm really excited because you are an author, a podcaster, an influencer. <laughs> you got all these things. So we're going to be talking about all of the things. But before we get into the chisme, we always start with the wine. And I didn't even ask you, are you drinking wine today? <laughs> oh, you got your glass. A little bit because guess what? It's three o'clock at my end of the world here. And it's half an like, hour. Oh it's my God. I guess so. I'm like, I my if my kids saw me, they were like, Mom, it's three o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> but I said no, I have to have my little glass of wine because I wanted to cheer you on and I, I love what you're doing and I want to be supportive. So here oh, I am. <laughs> thank you. What kind of wine are you drinking? I'm partial to whites. So I like chard, a good chard, not buttery, but more. I was about to light. ask you, like the buttery. Yeah, no, a little more crisp and light. Everyday wine that I love is bubble. I don't know if, if you're into whites, but bubble is a, and here I am, you know, I wasn't paid for this at all, uh, <laughs> but I like bubble. I like the Koi. They have good white, you know, Chardonnays and ZD wines, et cetera, et cetera. So, so I know anyway. you're in, we were talking before I hit record. I know you're in Washington right now at your kids. Not too far. Cause I told you there are some Latino owned wineries that are in Portland then the Willamette Valley. Yes. Um, and it's not Willamette. It's Willamette. It's Willamette, damn it, is what I've, how you remember, <laughs> right? Good for you. I'm so glad you know all that. I Yes, <laughs> I do know about the Willamette wines. Uh, they have great wines in the Oregon area, really good ones. Yeah. And there, so there's actually some Latino wines there as well. Some Latino wine brands in that area. Oh, good. Um, I have to check those out. Yeah, I'll send you. It's on my website, on the wine brand directory. You can find that on there, but I can send it to you as well. I'm actually drinking Dow. So I this, love Dow. Yes. yes. I'm drinking Dow. This was gifted to my fiance by the owner of the restaurant that he works at. And it's the Cuvée Lizzie at Paso Robles. It's a 2021. Apparently, it's like $120 bottle. Uh -huh. So he was like, oh, we should open it on New Year's. And I was like, I'm tired. I want to go to sleep. And he went, fine, <laughs> I'm going to open it. But what does he do? He opens it, pours a glass, never drinks a drop. And aye, I was aye, like, aye. oh, no, we are not <laughs> wasting this. So thankfully, I had a little wine saver thing. And I have, so I have my wine here. So salud. Oh, good. Salud. Salud, Mari. <laughs> oh, that was a good one this time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love Dow. Well, we've been there to the winery. It's beautiful. I don't know if you've ever been. No, I haven't. 
It's beautiful. And they do have a good Chardonnay as well. Um, you know, there I have some in my fridge. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's a really good wine. Well, I'm excited to talk to you. Yeah, I'm a big like, I do like whites. I'm the same as you. I like more crisp. I'm not a buttery Chardonnay person. I do like Sauvignon Blancs as long as they're not New Zealand Sauvignon Blancs. Because I don't see it, right? Me I don't too. like grapefruit. I don't like Me grapefruit. too. Oh my God. I do like grapefruit, but not in my wine. Yeah. <laughs> I and totally get so it. grapefruit forward. Yeah. So I try not to like tell people, oh, don't drink this wine because, you know, everybody has their Your own, own flavor pal- palette and everything. So I always say like, I am not a fan of grapefruit, but if you like grapefruit, try it out. You might like it, right? I'm not a big dessert wine fan. Me neither. Uh, see, there we go. See, yeah. on the same level, girl. Somos panas, somos panas, nena. <laughs> no, no, me gusta que es, it's too sweet. Yeah, it's yeah. It's too sweet. And yeah. you know what's so funny is you're supposed to, when you have dessert wine with dessert, it should be sweeter than your dessert. Oh, I didn't, that's it. Hey, I learned something new. I had no idea. And... And I'm not a big dessert person. Like for me, the best dessert, like I can do something every once in a while. Like I can do a creme brulee. Mm-hmm. I don't really like chocolate. So anything chocolate, I just automatically, like I'm that person, you can have all the sweets in the world in front of me. And I'll just be like, mm, yeah. Like I don't, I'm not like, ooh, what do you got? Yeah, yeah. Now, yeah. if you had cheese, yeah, no, me too. Charcuterie, <laughs> then that'd be different. Like, yeah. be like, oh, it's on. Uh, absolutely, I'm the same way. I always feel like, hey, if there was no other food in the world, I could survive in bread, cheese, maybe apple, and wine. I mean, as yes. long as I have all that, I agree. I'm okay. I, yes, I wholeheartedly agree with that. And you know, what's so funny is like my my dad and my fiance both say this because. We're like, oh, growing up, what dad, what do you want to eat? Oh, I don't care. I can have bread and water. I'll be fine. Bread and water. And then now and my fiance says the same thing. Oh, bread and water. But give me some salted butter. I can <laughs> as long as I have some salted butter, bread, water and salted butter. And I was like, you guys are so ridiculous <laughs> because that is so not true. <laughs> and I would tell my dad, you, I, I said, man, if you got taken hostage you'd be the easiest hostage to please ever they're like we're only giving you bread and water he'd be like that's cool that's all I need right Uh, did you grow up in San Diego I did I grew up in North County in uh, North County San Diego a city called Escondido yeah I know exactly where it is beautiful and I live in San Diego proper now Uh but no I, I loved growing up here honestly it was just I I mean, nobody has a perfect childhood, but I think I had a pretty ideal childhood. We went out, we would come to San Diego proper. Like my mom was the type of mom who we would go to Balboa Park and stuff. They always figured out, even if we didn't have a lot of money, Mm -hmm. like how to make it work. Like my mom would make sandwiches or fried chicken or whatever at home. And then bring, we'd go have, spend the day at the park and go on, you know, the little train and go on the carousel and do all that stuff and then have a picnic. That's great. You know, and those mm-hmm. are things I remember. And I think as, you know, I'm going to read your bio, but I think, I mean, obviously we'll get into all of those things. But as a Thea, like I said, I'm not a mom, but I'm a Thea. One of the things that I really try and do for my nieces and nephews is have experiences. 
because they're things that I want them to remember, right? Because if you buy them things, those things get thrown away. They get recycled, they get tossed, they get donated, they get like things fade, memories. I want my nephew to be like getting married and saying, I remember when my Tia Jay took me to New York for a week as my graduation present and we had so much fun. So I know we'll get into all that, but let me read your bio. <laughs> Please uh, don't. <laughs> Mari is an award-winning Latina author, speaker, podcast host, bilingual, bicultural parenting influencer. Now that is a mouthful. <laughs> an advocate of language and culture, she is on a mission to offer parents the information, resources, and support they need to preserve their native language and culture to expose children to other languages and cultures, thus raising children to compete in a global society. She has written two books for parents, by Raising Bilingual Children and Arroz con Pollo and Apple Pie. Raising Bicultural Children, both published in English and in Spanish, and two bilingual children's books, Luisito's Islands and Leisa de Luisito, and she has, a, and I have a secret, Tengo un secret. Girl, you have, you are, like I said, your author, speaker, podcast host, parenting influencer, all of the things. I think being a mom is the hardest job. And I think being a teacher is right, is super hard, like right there with it, because it's like, they're so underappreciated and undervalued. Growing up, what was that? What was your relationship like, like with your parents? Because obviously I think Everybody, when they grow up, the way that they get parented influences the way they parent. So yes. what was that like? Um, well, first of all, I want to start by saying that a tia, it's a super important person in a child's life. I'm a tia. I have, let's see how many girls. There are six girls in my family and two boys. One is my son. My son was the first boy that was born that, you know, my parents had a, as a grandson and then my brother had a son after that, but there were five girls before that. And then my little girl was born after. So I'm super close to all, all my nieces and my nephew. You know, I always tell parents, especially parents that are raising bilingual, multilingual, or multicultural kids, when you do a family plan of how you're raising your kids, you know, language plan, a culture plan, that should all be, make sure that you're including Everyone in your child's circle is part of that, of the development of that child, whether it's language-wise or culture-wise or whatever, you know. So Etia is very important, and I love that you are created, you have created that bond with your nephew. I think it's great. He will always remember that. I'm hoping the same, that my nieces always, and two of them have kids, and they're always, you know, my are the favorite Tia, and Tia this and Titi that. In, in Puerto Rico, we call it Titi. So Titi this and Titi that. And I love that. And my sister is Tia to my kids. And she is the favorite Tia to my kids. So, <laughs> so you know, it's you're right there. Just because you didn't bore these kids doesn't mean that you don't have an impact and an influence in that kid's life. So yeah. just wanted to tell you that. Oh, thank you. I mean, these boys, <laughs> I would... And then, then my friend's kids, Comtia J, right? Of like my course. best friend, Comtia J. Yeah. I would die for them. Like I would, I don't want them to go through any, I know they have to go through pain and this and that, but <laughs> I'm also like, you know, what's so funny is when you're talking about that, like having that important influence is 
So I'm the oldest of three. My middle sister, she has four boys. And then my youngest sister doesn't have any kids. Wow. Four boys. Yeah. Four (laughs) boys. And my youngest sister, no quiere nada hijo. She doesn't want any at all. And the funny thing is, is that like my sister, my youngest sister, she makes a lot of money. She's a nurse practitioner. She makes like stupid money and she's not married, doesn't have any kids. So she could do. So it's really funny that like they know, right? They know my nephew sent her like the most expensive requests. And this is what I want, right? They send her like the big ticket items. Oh, well, kids are very smart. Let me yes. tell you, they're super smart. They know where to push, which buttons to push. <laughs> yes. But they also know when they're here, like we'll, we'll go to baseball games and we'll yes. go to the little th- the beach. And like, I took them to their, all four of them to their first bonfire. So yes, I love that because I do, I think, as Theas, we we dode. I get to spoil. This is what I say. If I had kids, I wouldn't be able to spoil my nieces and nephews <laughs> like I do. Yes, it's so true. So, so true. I get to. Uh, but so back true. To, yeah. So back yeah. to like because like so I said, back to my growing up. Yes. I grew up in Puerto Rico. I was born and raised in Puerto Rico. Like you, I had um, a childhood that I think about a lot. Four siblings. I'm the oldest of four. It was one after the other one. So I think, you know, we look back and like my mom was pregnant for like six years in a row or whatever. We're all very close. We grew up very close. And um, I was the least likely to live anywhere. And I'm the one that ended up in California. I came here to get a master's degree in communications and ended up with the Mr. and the master. So I went back Where did home. You go? Did you go to USC? No, no, I went to Pepperdine. I, oh. yeah, oh, I know. Oh I my know. gosh. I didn't hey, know this? about USC or UCLA at the time for some reason. I mean, yeah, well, I'm dating really, myself. That know, was a long USC, time ago. They have the Annenberg School of Communication. Yes. yes. But Pepperdine is, let me tell you guys, if you don't know about Pepperdine, probably one of the most beautiful campuses in the, I would say, in the world. Oh, absolutely. Being in that library. It, overlooking the ocean was was pretty special and I kind of went there by happenstance Uh, my younger brother who was I was uh, four years older than him I graduated from college with a back home after spending two years in Switzerland I don't talk about this a lot although I've been talking about it more because of the language because people ask me how did you get involved with all this and I'm like well let me tell you why I spoke Spanish at home and English at school because the school that we were going to was a parochial school and the nuns were hired from the United States and they all spoke English. So all the kids learned English right away. Some of our subjects were also in English. So by the time you graduate from from high school, you're completely bilingual. And then I was very interested in, I love languages and I really wanted to learn French. My dad was, came from nothing. He was self-made, studied very hard, and, you know, he became a surgeon. He gave us all the, those experiences you were talking about. We, ha- The ones that he didn't have, he tried to get us to have a lot of those experiences. And I have many wonderful memories of traveling with him, with my mom and all of us. And we did a lot. And from a girl that was never allowed to go sleep over anywhere, Because I grew up with a dad that kept saying, education is the number one thing you all have to, you know, that's, that's going to be your inheritance, you know, da-da-da, education, education. 
you could go wherever you want. I will pay for your education, but you have to go to college. So here I am, graduated from high school. And he's like, okay, so where do you want to go? And I was like, you're not going to like it. And he's like, why? I'm like, because I'm going far. I can't even have a sleepover, except it was an abuelita. That was the only, I used to call her Mima. That was the only place that I could go have a sleepover. But he had to eat his words because he did say all the time, wherever education, you <laughs> wherever you wanted to go. So I'm like, so of course, you know, there I go. I'm 18 years old. I'm in this little school in the top of the mountains in Switzerland. It was it's uh, the American College of Switzerland. Wait, how did you find that? Through another friend from my neighborhood that was a few years older than me, and she had gone to school there. So we were talking at Recreo one day, you know, in the recess. Mm. And she was a, a few years older, and she's like, you know, I'm applying to this school, you know, da-da-da. I'm like, oh my God, I'm interested. Anyway, that's how I found it. There I was maybe 350 students, 400, so super small people from all over the world. I mean, I made friends from Turkey, from Greece, from Italy, from France, from German. And right around, like when you went to the little town, all the kids were speaking like three or four languages, like batting an eye. And I was fascinated. I'm like, I learned English when I was in third grade. And these kids are like little, you know, younger than third grade, and they already speak three or four languages. So, and then the cultures, I was learning all about these amazing cultures. And I just, I think I had like an aha moment at the time. And I said, whenever I have kids, if I have kids, they're going to be at least bilingual, at least two for sure. So anyway, fast forward, I went back home. I finished my degree there. And then I came to California because my younger brother was coming to Pepperdine. So I didn't really look at any other schools. I might have looked at USC and UCLA and all those, because in those in those days, it was easy to get into all those schools. Now it's like crazy. But uh, crazy hard and crazy expensive. Yes. I, oh, my God. And so anyway, I ended up uh, staying at Pepperdine. My brother, a year later, went back home. I stayed and I got my master's degree and I met my husband, worked with him. You know, we worked together for six months. And became really good friends. And, you know, there was this attraction there, but we were all both very professional. And it was time for me to graduate and go back. I was hesitant because I knew there was something there. One thing led to another. He's like, home is always going to be there. Why don't you stay and try it? And I had gotten a job offer somewhere else. So I ended up staying and about a year and a half later, we went back home, we got married and then made a life in Southern California. This year is our 40th wedding anniversary. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. Congratulations. Okay, yeah. then I have to ask. <laughs> Was right? it a secret? Like, yeah, I mean, I look, I am engaged. I'm getting married. I know, I know you are. Three months, right? And... Yeah, you got to let your grin. <laughs> you know what? There is really no secret. I think that I always knew going in that I would end up or my ideal, if there's an ideal, had to be someone that was hardworking, that had good values and good ethics, that grew up religious. I was born and raised Catholic. And to this day, I know there's a whole bunch of stuff that I don't like about the Catholic Church, but it's my church. And 
I think that it's gone through a lot of changes and a lot of things, but I grew up appreciating the foundation that it left me. I'm a spiritual person because of it. And I believe in prayer. We were talking about prayer off the air. I truly believe in that. And my husband is Greek Orthodox. Sometimes I say to him, you have more faith than I do. He's like, like really has a lot of faith. So anyway, (laughs) uh, some of those basics were important to me. And, you know, here is this man and he's a good person, appreciates me and always treated me like an equal. That was also important to me. Porque, you know, in Puerto Rico, sometimes the guy you get married and they want it at the time, not not so much anymore. They wanted you to stay home and, you know, raise the kids. And I was working. I wanted to have the choice to continue my career if I wanted to. I ended up changing that when I came here. I worked for a while. Then I got pregnant. After two or three years, I went back to work for a little bit. And then I decided to stay home and, you know, developed a whole new career, if you will. I was super involved in my kids' school from fundraising. So I learned a lot about development and raising funds and I became PTA president and I did all that. So I was always on the go and always writing. And it was interesting because I had done a project with a La Opinion newspaper at the time. I became really good friends with the editor who then became the publisher and who is still my good friend today. We both had little kids and she came from the Mexican family and wanted her kids to be bilingual as well. So I called her one day and I was like, you know, unless we go to the doctor's office at the pediatrician, there's no no magazines. Like at the, at the doctor's office, you would say at the pediatrician, you had the Ser Padres magazine, que era en español, and Healthy Kids in Español. But you went anywhere. There was no information for parents, nothing about how, how do I go about balancing language and culture? We have three cultures at my house that we wanted to preserve. How do I do that? There were really very little resources about raising kids with two languages, even Spanish. You know, no one at the time was speaking Spanish where I was. So my friend said to me, why don't you write a column about it? We'll publish it every week. So that's how I started writing. And they published my column for 12 years. Right after that, it became, you know, I started writing parenting books because, you know, I went to a conference in New York and there was someone there from Simon & Schuster, who is a big publisher, and I will forever be grateful to them. It was right around the time that a lot of studies were being revealed about bilingualism and the benefits and the advantages. So all of a sudden, everybody wanted to be in the know. Right. And so they asked me to write the Racing Bilingual Children book. They published as an ebook in English and Spanish, and then came the bicultural book. Arroz con pollo and apple pie. And then in 2017, this organization asked me to write a children's book. And I had never in a million, I had not even thought about doing a children's book. You know, they said, you know, we have a subscription of like, there's 200,000 parents subscribed to the service. We provide bilingual books and Spanish books for them for free. It was a project of a, a company and we would love for you to write a book. So I'm like, okay. So I wrote Lucito's Island, Laisa de Lucito, right after Huracan Maria. And he was a little boy that had to leave the island because of, you know, the hurricane destroyed her. And he goes back to a place that we don't really say where, but it's in, in the States. 
And he tells his friends all the little different landmarks that from Puerto Rico that he misses. It's a sweet, really sweet book. Mm. And then in 2020, I, I have a secret thing going secreto. And um, you know, what happened with the, the parenting books is that all of a sudden language conferences and schools and parent groups were asking me to come and talk to them about how to and what do you do and can you give me resources? So I started doing all this before, way before online resources were, were available. Now we have little bilingual communities on Instagram and Facebook and all that. And I love it. I love that families today have all of that. So I'm like the tia abuela helping raise <laughs> the second, third generation of Latino kids and preserving that culture the language. Honestly, that is so amazing because I think I'm second gen, second gen Mexican American. Both of my parents were raised in the States at a time where speaking Spanish was very, very frowned upon, where you would get in trouble, where you would literally get hit. My dad would would hit you. He's like, they would hit me because he went to Catholic school también. And he's like, we would get hit. And they didn't want the same. And I think that's what like gets lost because I'm sure you've heard, have you heard of the term no sabo kid? I'm sure you've heard. Oh, of yeah. Yeah. yeah you, you, your eyes expressed exactly <laughs> what I think of them because I, I, I hate that. But, and I think it was, it, I, I don't know where it exactly came from, but it feels like it came from like younger millennial, older Gen Z generation because there's me being younger Gen X or an Xennial, almost like on the cusp of that. There's a lot of us who that was not our first language because of the trauma that our parents went through, exactly. right? And so exactly. it wasn't so much that my parents didn't want us to be bilingual. They wanted us to be English first and English forward because they didn't want us to experience the trauma that they did. However, by doing that, it was just like phrases, words here, words there. So we didn't get the full experience. Our culture, always part of us, right? Like always part of us, always part of who we are. But the language has not always been. It's always been words and phrases. And for me, the people I always hung out with were other Latinos and their parents always spoke Spanish. So that's, and then as my grandpa got older, because my grandma passed away when I was like six. And when my grandpa passed away and the older he got, the more Spanish he would speak. He would speak less English, more Spanish. So from that, I started getting way more exposure from my friends' parents and from my grandpa, but my sisters didn't. When I speak it, my, my Spanish is far from perfect. But people are like, oh, but you have the accent. We could tell you no. And apparently the more I drink, the better my Spanish gets. You're then so I'm cute. not so self-conscious. <laughs> You're so funny. But it's, uh, but it's true because the, yeah. my parents were very good at ensuring that we knew about our culture, that we, our culture has always been part of me and my sisters, even if they can't speak the language and mine is okay, right? I can go to Mexico and I can get by. I'm fine. Like, there might be a certain word or here and I'm like, I'm not sure what that is, but then I figure it out. But our culture has never been in doubt. That's always been preserved in our family. Wine break. Time to refill that glass and come back for more Wine and Cheese Minute. When you were saying 
to make a plan. That was, you know, that's to be perfectly honest, maybe because I've never read parenting books or anything like that. I don't think I've ever, I've heard people say like, oh, I want to raise my kids like this, but it felt like it was very deliberate for you in regards to that instead of just like, I don't want to be this way or I don't want to be this way, but like ensuring that my kids are going to at least be, you know, at least be bilingual, if not trilingual. I want to involve everybody in the plan of how these kids are being raised. I think that's so brilliant. And I've never heard and people might think, oh, Jessica, you're Bendeha. Of course, we're going to do that. But I <laughs> no, did not no, no, up no, in no, a house no. like that, right? I didn't no. up in a house where it was a plan of how it was going to be. You know what? I came up with that way back then just because I needed a plan. I'm a plan girl. I have to plan my week just to make it more um, into today's world. My calendar for the week of content that I'm sharing with parents has to be planned out like, you know, the Friday before. So I, I love planning. And I started thinking about that when, you know, when I was raising my kids, it's like, wait, we need a plan. How are we going to do this? And where are my resources? And what's my strategy going to be? And who should be included in this plan? So that's what that means by a plan. How do I activate the language every day in our daily routines? And it's funny that that's where you zeroed in today because that was the theme this week really? <laughs> in my <laughs> content. And I just did a video that is going to come out. I just recorded the video coming out tomorrow in Spanish. Because that's the thing. It's like, you know, when I started doing this, we started in Facebook because Instagram did not exist. So like I say to you, it's been, and every week I would offer consejitos in Espanol, you know, because, and so when Instagram came about, well, I don't know, four or five years ago, I hired this group, the social media, just to teach me some of the basics on Instagram. And they did analytics and realized that my audience was right divided, Spanish and English, como casi en el medio. And then lately, the last two or three years, I've kind of been producing more content in English because there's a whole bunch of newer parents that are not necessarily Latino, but that are raising bilingual kids. So I wanted to be helpful to them, but realized last year that there were parents that really still want more content in Espanol. So that's going to be my 2024 thing. But we talked about the plan. So what happens is on Monday, I do the English version and on Wednesdays, the Spanish version of tweaking it here and there. They don't necessarily are the same, same post, but right. If I suggested like seven questions to ask, and it was about revising. So this is a plan that you start with, say January, and you consider how many kids are in my family and what are the developmental stages of each kid? What are the interests of this kid? So it's not an easy plan. You have to plan for the whole family. Right. But, and also the kids change, everything changes. So you have exactly. to Exactly. So that's why you have to be flexible. And, you know, my formula is... Intention plus connection plus consistency plus fun plus flexibility equals happy bilingual multilingual kids. You got to have all those inside. So this plan helps you figure out, okay, so today the reading is going to be all, maybe you are raising English, Spanish. So Monday, Wednesday, Friday, within your plan, everything is in Spanish. 
from you know cooking and you talk about the recipe you're making and all all those conversations are happening in Spanish. A bedtime stories are happening in Spanish. If you go to an experience, go to a museum that is a Latino museum or something that has to do with the culture as well. So all those and the strategies. What strategy am I using? There's three main ones. One is one parent, one language. It's called OPOL. Well, 30 years ago, that did not exist. So I, by instinct, decided, well, I'll speak to my kids in Spanish and my husband can speak to them in English. And then a few words here and there, but no, it was hard because where we were, I hardly had any Spanish. So I can't handle three languages. I have to do two <laughs> first. <laughs> so anyway, it's like this map really helps you. It also encourages you to, you know, talk to everyone in the family, say, hey, this is my intention. This is what my spouse and I want to do. My partner and I want to do. I need your support. You need everyone's support because it's hard. It's hard yeah. to stay consistent. And then you have to stay flexible. Porque sabes que if today you didn't follow the roadmap, the plan, don't knock yourself out. You, every parent does the best they can. Our right. parents, your parents did the best they could with what they were living at the time. Right. They didn't have a lot of resources. Maybe your friend's parents had more info about, wait here, wait a minute. We can keep the language if we do this, that, and the other. But maybe your parents didn't. And this plan is not the same in your family or my family. That's why it's hard because it's not a cookie cutter plan that, oh my God, let me adapt this. Right. Every family has different circumstances, have different daily routines, have different schedules. So you have to consider that as well. And I would say at least three times a year, you should look at it because the kids change, their interests change. And if you want to make it fun, you want to cater to what's fun for my kid. How do I make this fun? Because and the sooner you start, the better, because you want this to be part of their daily lives. You don't want them to wake up and feel like, oh, today is Spanish day. No. Yeah. So I have a question. Do you find that most of the, the parents that follow you and that want to learn from you are not necessarily the immigrant parents? Because a lot of times parents that are coming here with very limited knowledge of the language and they're trying to navigate their own life. And oftentimes the kids have to be the translators. Uh-huh. And oftentimes they have to work more than one job just to put a roof and food and roof overhead, food in their bellies. So obviously being able to do that is already a privilege, being able to plan, right? Instead of just saying like, instead of just being in survival mode, which I feel like a lot of times people, especially right now, are in. Are you able to access those parents or those parents able to access you? And how has that come about, if so? That's interesting that you bring that up because my original, when I first started the column in the La Opinion newspaper, it was geared to the immigrant parent. That's why everything in there was in Spanish. Mm -hmm. And so I would go to the library. I would talk to the speech language pathologist. I would talk to the pediatrician. I would talk to the teachers and include all that information that I was learning so I could share with them. But now we have a whole bunch of more information. And I think it's evolved to answer your question. For a while there, it became all like more English content. But now all of a sudden, you know, my sister is my team. She and I are, are, are a team. And she's like, I just think that we need to go back to Spanish because there is the parent. And what's happening is that I'm getting to talk 
at school districts where there are dual language immersion programs and they want to talk for parents and that talk they asked for me to do it in Spanish. I just came from one right before the holidays and those parents wanted to talk in in Espanol. And so I talked to them about preserving the language and you know some of the resources that are there for them and what to look for when they're in Instagram if they want to if you know a lot of them do have the Instagram or the Facebook account mm -hmm. where to go to get Spanish only information, Spanish classes if they want some some classes. There's a whole bunch of teachers that offer materials that they can use at home. But I think that the most important thing that I want parents to know, the immigrant parent, the newer parent, or the parent that is young, that is trying to navigate all this, is that there is information out there for them and they shouldn't feel alone. There's a community that is supportive and that offer, yes, some of this stuff, you have to pay for it. But for the most part, you have my content there for free. I don't charge any money. My husband always says, you need to start charging for all this. Well, <laughs> if you know, it's if they want a more in-depth right. guidance or whatever, yes. Um, I, you know, because it's it's a little bit of a business for me as well. But the information is there and I I love having this interaction. Sometimes parents send me, you know, direct messages in Espanol and they're like, what about this? Or what about that? And how do I do this? And I love the opportunity of talking to parents one-on-one -on -one now that we're back to having the in-person visits because right. they share so many amazing things and, and they're so honest and they really want to, even though they may have two jobs or whatever, they really want to be there for their kids and they want to do well by their kids. I always say that it is an equipo. I mean, you're a team. Yeah. The teacher team. and the parents are a team. That's why the family members, you're all a team trying to raise this little person. It must be such a relief for those parents to know that they have resources too when they find it, right? I would imagine when they actually find it, it must be a relief. But I want to actually ask about like the other side, because earlier you mentioned that you have parents who are not necessarily Latino, but their kids are learning Spanish and they want to make sure. Are you finding that these, because oftentimes it's hard to teach culture, right? Like right. this culture, they're never going to really get, they're never going to really know the Latino experience. Just like I will never know what it's like to be a black woman and what that experience is. These people will never know really truly what it's like. So how do you try and educate or get that across so it doesn't come across on their side as tone deaf like oh my kids speak Spanish but because I've seen where it could kind of get wonky I don't know how to explain it I think you understand what I'm saying and no I understand what you're saying and you know what I'm just going to give you a, an example my husband is Greek American second generation Greek grew up in Toledo Ohio and ended up with a Puerto Rican girl after all the different jobs he had, he ended up in the Hispanic market. What did he do? He took advantage of that. He learned the culture. Obviously, he was going to Puerto Rico with me every year. So, <laughs> you know, like that was that. But we lived in L.A. So he had to learn the Mexican culture, the Central American culture, all the people, Latino people, all the different cultures that were going to his events. He was in event marketing. So you don't have to be perfect at it. Yes. One more thing. 
my children that grew up in California, that grew up with three cultures, that grew up going to Puerto Rico every single year, that love Puerto Rico, are never going to feel about Puerto Rico the way I feel about Puerto Rico. Yeah, so we just have to keep that in mind and we have to give people some kind of leeway. And it makes me so happy when I see a non-Latino family really trying to learn about my culture. I mean, that's so great. Yes, they're not going to feel the, the same calorcito que yo siento, but they are going to appreciate it. And I feel the same about other cultures. Mm -hmm. I learned about the French culture, the Italian culture, the Greek culture. I think it's, it's so important, you know, it doesn't matter where we are in the world today. I think that inevitably our children are going to have a friend from a different culture in the classroom. So yeah. why not try to learn about that culture and appreciate it and, and be okay with it. And I always tell parents, I want my son or daughter to come home telling me, mommy, I made a new friend today. Not come home and say, mommy, I made a new friend that has a different skin color than mine yeah. or have eyes that look chinitos, you know, like that. No, I want them to feel like this is my friend. Yeah, I think you kind of hit on it in regards to appreciation, because obviously there is a difference between appropriation and appreciation. And I think like you've seen a lot of it on social media lately in regards to culture is not a costume, right? Exactly. Because you exactly. see people like, oh, throwing Cinco de Mayo, which Cinco de Mayo is not even, it's only a thing. <laughs> I know, I know. Mexico, it drives me crazy. Thing, right? <laughs> or it's like Cinco de Drinco. No, it's not Cinco de Drinco. It's not like, it's not about just putting on a sombrero and doing this. And so I think you just kind of hit the nail on the head in regards to appreciation versus appropriation. And it's okay to appreciate it. It's if you're really trying and you really want to learn, then you're welcome to it, right? You're welcome to appreciate, but you have to also understand that there is hurt within that. So absolutely, absolutely, and, and that's I think, and then that's within all cultures. There's going to be that. Obviously, there's a big thing with the, you know with indigenous communities, absolutely. not only in the U.S. but in Mexico, in Canada. There's a lot of there's a lot of of hurt and a lot of history, obviously within the Black community. Again, it's about appreciation, not appropriation. And I, I'm glad you said, like, if they're trying to appreciate the culture, I totally get that. And I'm totally with you on that. Through this journey, what has been like the biggest challenge? Because you started, it felt like you, like, it just kind of naturally came in regards to this. But was there ever a time when you're like, what am I doing? Am I in over my head? <laughs> Where am I going? How, I'm pulling my hair out. <laughs> how much time do you have now? <laughs> uh, you know, it's interesting that you mentioned that because i am kind of been feeling that way the last six months. There is a lot of wonderful, you know, moms out there that are experts in their different fields, like a social worker or Spanish language pathologist or educators. And they're all in the mess of raising bilingual or multilingual kids. They all see me as the mother hen, the tia abuela, like I say, because I don't have any grandkids yet, but I love that they're there. I wish I had them when I was raising my kids. My life would have been so much better. My 
in perfect bilingual family would have been maybe closer to perfect, but I want everyone to know that there's no such a thing as a perfect bilingual family. So I've been thinking about that. And I think it all stems from, from that. The newer generation is providing content and, and also the books. I think I became, I'm in love with writing children's books that our kids, our Latino, Hispanic kids can identify with the characters and have those messages. You know, in my case, my two books have a Puerto Rican character. There was nothing like that when I was grow when my kids were growing up. They they had nothing that I could say, hey, look at this this kid is like you. He's like he has a Puerto Rican culture in his veins. I think that I'm trying to decide if I want to take that route. I've been taking a lot of workshops and you know honing my craft on writing children's books. They're always going to be either bilingual or in Spanish. And I'm excited to explore. That was kind of like my intention this year, kind of trust that process. That's my word of this year, trust. Uh, and maybe start writing more children's books and with those messages and, you know, get get to that generation of kids that are being raised bilingual and that have access to this books and get this books in schools and libraries and all of that. I have a couple of questions. First of all, I love to me, it kind of goes into my thing of my theme of the year for the podcast is never too late, right? I feel like it's so appropriate. It's never too late to connect with your roots. It's never too late to learn your culture, learn your language, all of those things, if that's what you want. But I, I have a friend who she is a Spanish teacher. Una Mexicana también, and she's a Spanish teacher. And there was a, a very, several years where her daughter did not want to speak Spanish. And I've seen that with a lot of it. Did you have that challenge with your kids in regards to them? Like, no, I'm only speaking back to you in English. Don't talk to me in Spanish. Or like, were they kind of pushed back? And where are they, or where are they now? Do they have kids? And are, how are they approaching that? Uh, they don't have kids uh, yet. I'm hoping, I'm praying. Uh, but I had very, like I mentioned, very little resources. I pushed for eight years to get Spanish as part of the curriculum in their school that they were going to in Hermosa Beach, at, well, Manhattan Beach. We finally succeeded. And I'm, I, I tell this story in my Raising Bilingual Children's book because I always encourage parents that if there's not a Spanish program in your school, get together with some parents and fight for it. Because especially now, fast forward 30 years, I mean, Spanish is going to be the number one language uh, in a few years. You know what I mean? So why don't we try to... And just my, as a reminder, there is no official language of the United States. Exactly. And, you know, my wish would be that Spanish would be part of the curriculum in every single school in the United States. I don't know why it shouldn't. And we shouldn't wait until high school. It should be from kindergarten on. Yes. I mean, why not start early? So I just think that that is something that we need to work on and get involved and nurture that and continue nurturing our culture. We all do the best we can. I love the word flexibility because you have to be flexible. I mean. Nothing is perfect. Even if your bilingual, multilingual journey is not perfect, that's okay. My kids spoke English between them. I couldn't change that. I tried and I couldn't to this day. But their Spanish, 
I would say my son speaking Spanish is more is stronger than my daughter's, but my daughter's grammar and reading is stronger because she had more advantage. And she also took it in high school and she did a semester in Madrid. That was really important to me. So I'm super grateful for that. But I have a question in regards to that. Maybe I don't know if she ever, and I apologize for interrupting you, but no, no, no. the only reason I ask this is because I've been seeing a lot of things on social media in regards to how people that are from other Latin American countries are having a hard time when they go to Spain. Hmm. The xenophobia, the racism has mm-hmm. been there. If you're mm-hmm. not from Spain and then they hear you speak Spanish. So people are like, if you're going to Spain, you speak Spanish, speak English. If you can speak English, speak English. Do you know if that's something that your daughter? Uh, you know what? No, she didn't have that. But I have to tell you that over whatever, how many years ago that I went to Switzerland and I was 18 and everybody said to me, when you're in France, you make sure that you speak English because if you try and of course, we would go to France and try to practice what we were learning in French. And they kept saying, don't speak French because they're not, they're going to look you down and they're not going to like it. So it happens all the time. You just have mm-hmm. to go on and just, you know, be proud of it and just continue speaking. And like, you know, you can always say, hey, estoy tratando. So, and then walk away, you know, but um, I don't know if I would be that nice. <laughs> I know what you mean, but, (laughs) but you know what? I tell you, honestly, I, when my, my daughter was in Madrid and and that was the third time that I was in Madrid, I went to visit her and I was there for a week and I went to a couple of places where, you know, I had my hair blow out one day and I'm talking to the guy that was, you know, and we had great conversations wherever I went all in Spanish. So I never felt that the times that I've been there, my niece goes to Spain all the time. I don't think she's ever felt that way. So I don't know. I mean, all those years ago, walking to a little store and I try to speak French and the woman looked at me like I was crazy, but I told her, I told her very nicely. You know, I told her in French, I'm trying to learn the language. And then, you know, I started looking at something else. So, uh, So I think we just have to try not to be defensive and just put a smile in your face. I think their defenses go down when you're smiling and you don't attack. Or yeah. <laughs> I think so. Uh, so anyway, that's my two cents. No, no, that's good. I, I'm, I'm always interested. Like I've never been to Spain. My fiance loves Spain. Oh, it's but amazing. he also doesn't really speak any Spanish. Like he's way darker complected than me. And you look at him and you're like, for sure, he's Latino. You could see it. You know it. He's actually has a lot of indigenous blood as well. But when we go, when we go to Mexico and stuff, like they automatically start talking to me. They don't even try. I don't even know what it is. I don't know if it's his presence. (laughs) I don't know what it is, but they just start talking to me, which is fine because I end up being the translator for him. And there's been times we went to Oaxaca a couple of years ago and he's like, I need you to tell, like, I kind of got it, but I need you to call like the lady who can take us around. So I'm like, calling her on WhatsApp <laughs> and doing all the translating and, and everything. I know that like, oh my gosh, an hour has flown by. Like I that. know, I, I know. Oh my gosh. So I want to give you a chance to like, if there's anything that we have not talked about or anything that you want to make sure that you share, please do that now. 
You're so sweet. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. I love talking to you. I love your podcast. I think you're a hoot and you're doing great. And you are such an inspiration to our Latino women that are out there doing their thing. So I kudos to you. And thank you so much to everyone that is listening. And if you want to follow me, I'm Latina Boomer Mom on Instagram and Maritere Rodriguez Bellas everywhere else. So. Oh, yours. First of all, you're so sweet for saying that. Thank you. I mean, honestly, that's always been my my goal, right? To be a resource and to be able to tell stories because I think so often stories are highlighted from people who already who have a big platform. And I think it's so important to share, like just because you don't have hundred thousand, five hundred thousand, a million followers, even ten thousand followers, right? That doesn't mean that your story is not important. And then being able to tell stories across communities of color, because that's honestly why I started the podcast, because I didn't see like a cohesion of people coming from the Latino community, the Black community, the Asian community, the Native community coming together. Um, And that's really what I wanted to be. But honestly, it, it just really gives me so much pleasure to be able to speak with so many people and like yourself, who has been doing the work for a long time and continuing to do the work to make an impact in our community. And I feel so honored and privileged to be able to do that. So thank you. Thank you so much for coming on. And I'll make sure that your website and your social media handles are in the show notes as well. Thank you so much. I I had such a good time. Like it's, (laughs) I'm like, Oh, it's already, it's already been an hour. And I want, I always try and respect everybody's time. Every once in a while we go a lot longer, but I do try and respect everybody's time. And I'm sure you want to relax before your, before your kids get back. You want to just finish that glass of wine, (laughs) put your feet up, relax. I gotta, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to finish. I think I might finish this bottle. (laughs) Enjoy. So, but thank you so, so much, Mari. And I really, really appreciate you. Thank you. I appreciate you too. Until next time, mi gente. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Wine and Chisme podcast. For more information on today's guest, please see the show notes for links to websites and social media channels. You can check out all things Wine and Chisme on our website, thewineandchismepodcast.com. There, you will find the names of wines I drink each episode, as well as additional information on me, the podcast, and you can even apply to be a guest straight from there. You can also find us on social media at The Wine and Cheesemate on Instagram and at The Wine and Cheesemate Podcast on Facebook. Remember, if you want to hear more Wine and Cheesemate, please subscribe, rate, and review. Five-star ratings are appreciated and those positive reviews are appreciated even more. Until next time, saludos.